0: Now this morning what I would like to um, do just briefly this morning, from time to time, from time to time there will be a devotional that will catch my attention, and I'd like to bring it to you and share it with you. Some of you probably have already read this devotional, and some have not. I'd like to uh, bring it to you this morning and comment on it as as we see it. This is a uh, devotional that comes from Charles uh, Spurgeon. Now, uh, I know my mother had her favorite devotional. Everybody has their favorite uh, devotionals. Uh, My mother's, it just happened that it was uh, Andrew Murray. It was not uh, Charles Spurgeon. There's something about Spurgeon's writing that just, uh, it's like Tozer, when you read one of Tozer's books, these, these individuals were spiritual men and uh, highly gifted in writing and of course Spurgeon was also referred to as the Prince of Preachers. So he was one of the most outstanding preachers of his day, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon would be thought of by many today as Calvinistic in his theology. And I find myself uh, equally drawn to the writings of those who would be Calvinistic in their theology and those who would be Arminian in their theology. I find myself drawn to equally on both sides. What what I think it is, a lot of times, is is its emphasis. For example, you can think of many expressions and words and how should they be said. Uh, Pato always says to me, well, is that the right way to say it? I said, well, you can say it in different ways. And the classic, of course, is how you say tomato, right? You say tomato or you say tomato and you can think of It's just basically where the emphasis is placed. And sometimes when it comes to scriptures, that scripture where the emphasis is placed determines whether someone would be classified theologically as Calvinistic, a Calvinist, or someone would be classified as Arminian. And the emphasis would be between the sovereignty of God on the one hand and the free will of man on the other hand, where you place the stress or the emphasis. My view is that we are called to uh, balance and rightly divide the word of truth. And that we should uh, learn to place the stress where God places the stress or the emphasis. And that's easier said than done sometimes, depending on our upbringing, the way we have been taught, and the way we have been influenced. I want to, I've I've brought to you uh, over the years, writings from Charles Finney and different things from Charles Finney. He would be emphasizing the free will aspect. This morning is February the 24th devotional from Charles Spurgeon. It's based on a passage of Scripture in Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 26 that you might like to write that down if you wish. In any event, I'm going to ask Sherry if she will put the slides on, of course. And I just have a few slides. I want to walk through this devotional with you briefly this morning and then we will... uh, Ask Ruth if she will have a selective closing song for us this morning. Next week. Next week. Now we don't want any mishaps or any delays. <laughs> We're so looking forward to their return. February the 24th, and it's not just the piano. It's not just playing the piano, but that also helps, doesn't it? This was the this was the portion of the 26th verse verse that Charles Spurgeon. Is emphasizing on this morning devotion. And it is this part. I will cause the shower to come down in his season, or in its season. There shall be showers of blessing. There shall be showers of blessing. Someone took that a number of years ago, and, and they wrote in hymn. There shall be showers of blessing. So again, I will cause the shower to come down in his season, There shall be showers of blessing. You can have showers that come um, at what you would call inappropriate times. You can have a deluge of rain at certain times and it's not a blessing. But it becomes a blessing, of course, when it comes in its season. And in its season means (coughs) when it comes when it is needed. It says, here is sovereign mercy. I will give them the shower in its season, is it not sovereign a divine mercy? For who can say I will give them showers except God? There is only one voice which can speak to the clouds and bid them to beget the rain. Isn't that a great expression? There is only one voice which can speak to the clouds and bid them beget the rain. We say, I hope it will rain, or I hope it doesn't rain. But we cannot say, I will call for the rain, or I will send the rain. I will give you rain on a certain date to a certain point in time. When you need rain, I will give you rain. We can't say that. We can say, I hope it will rain. We can pray for rain. We can do all these things, but we cannot speak the word or the words that causes the rain to fall in its season, appropriate amount, right for the occasion. This is God's great promise, of course, here in Ezekiel, I'll give them the shower in its season. And and uh, Spurgeon says, uh, is, not, is not this sovereign or divine mercy? For Who can say, I will give them showers except God? There is only one voice which can speak to the clouds and bid them beget the rain. I love that. Who sendeth down the rain upon the earth, who scattereth the showers upon the green earth. Do not I, the Lord? So grace is the gift of God. Now this is the part that's down at the bottom a little bit hope everyone can see it from where you are, I have emphasized certain phrases in this devotional. It says, uh, so grace is the gift of God and is not to be created by man. And This is the part, this is the part here, of course, that many would refer, refer to uh, biblically as somewhat Calvinistic in, uh, in the theology, that grace comes from God. Grace alone, or comes from God alone. It is not engineered by man. And that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Uh, but there's a balance in all of these things. God sends the grace. Only He can send the grace. As uh, stated earlier, only He can call for the rain. Only He can send the rain in its season. And only God can send grace in its season. If I were to ask you to define for me I'm going to. If I were to ask you to defi- define for me the word grace. How you have learned it. What it means. What the best definition of grace is. What would you say? How would you respond? Okay, it's yours. Grace. What does it mean? Now you may have learned certain little, what I refer to as mnemonics, Um, A little aids for memory over the years to learn what grace uh, is. Uh, Some have said, uh, well, what? uh, (coughs) I come back to you again. One of them them is, again, Sarah? God's riches at
1: Christ's expense.
0: Yeah, which is fine. Which is fine. I I find no flaw or fault in that. God's riches at Christ's expense. But notice uh, what it is. It's describing a thing, something, grace. Or some would say grace is a noun. It's
1: benevolence.
0: Yeah, grace is benevolence.
1: It's the um, influence of the Spirit of God upon the Spirit of man. Mm -hmm.
0: This is one of the best definitions. uh, Sharon has just touched on it here. It's the influence of the Spirit of God upon the Spirit of man. Or as some say, God's influence upon the heart of man. And then it goes on and it says, And it's reflection in the life. So, grace is is active. Grace is an action word. It's not just a noun, but grace is also a verb. Grace is an action word. And this only can be done by God. It is God's grace, which is the influence of God's spirit, God's presence upon the spirit of man. And uh, God influences the human spirit. And as God influences the human spirit, the human being... Changes. And uh, as a consequence of that change, there are certain things that are evidenced in the life, always evidenced in the life. Now, one of those first things that is always evidenced is repentance. And the second thing that is always evidenced in the life is faith. And there's certain things that we can do, and certain things that we as human beings cannot do. And we cannot bring about repentance and faith in the heart of another person. So, he writes, so grace is the gift of God, is not to be created by man. It is also needed grace. Let's go to the next. What would the ground do without showers? I suppose you could just look at the desert for your answer. What would the ground do without showers? You may break the clods. Breaking the clods, can you think of another expression for that? What does that mean, breaking the clods? Or as we say, you can plow the, land. plow the land, plow the land, turn over the earth. He says, you may break the clods, you may sow your seeds, but what can you do without the rain? The answer is, my efforts will be without fruit. They will be fruitless without the rain. As absolutely needful is the divine blessing, in vain you labor until God the plenteous shower bestows and sends salvation down. This is the idea that salvation is of God and of God alone, which we agree with. Absolutely we agree with this. Salvation is of God and of God alone. Then, he writes, it is plenteous grace, meaning that when God sends his grace, As when God sends the rain, He sends it in abundance. And when God sends grace, He sends it in abundance. I will send them showers. It does not say I will send them drops, but showers. So it is with grace. If God gives a blessing, He usually gives it in such a measure that there is not room enough to receive it. Plenteous grace. We used to have a years ago we had a deputy chief. Uh, His name was Ernie. It was uh, a matter of great comedy and and humor around the department, that if you went to ask for something, for example, if you needed a new pair of boots or if you needed anything at all having to do with your equipment, you would go to see Ernie. And he would look you up and down and he wanted to make sure, because he was like the keeper of the purse. And he was... uh, (laughs) I don't know if he was... Scottish or not, we have we we have our background is Scottish, so we can say this. I don't know if he was Scottish or not, but he certainly was thrifty. And so it was great. uh, It was it was very humorous to us all that if anyone went to ask for him, there was always a hemming and a hawing that accompanied the giving of it. But this uh, portion does not talk about that. It says, if God gives a blessing, He usually gives it in such a measure that there's not room enough to receive it. Plenty is grace. And the idea is that it, it fills and overflows. It fills and overflows. Let's go to the next slide. He says, oh, we want plenty is grace to keep us humble. And well, here's the idea. If it is a, view, a virtue to be humble, and it is a virtue to be humble, a humility, appropriate humility. not inappropriate humility, but appropriate humility is a virtue. What is saying is that aside from grace, God's grace, the humility that we would seek would be impossible. This is, you see, the sovereignty of God, which is right, true, absolutely true. He said we, we want plenty of grace to make us prayerful. In other words, we want to be prayerful. We want to have a spirit of prayer, but we cannot be prayerful without the grace of God, which is the influence of God's uh, spirit upon our hearts, which brings about prayerfulness. So we need prayer, our grace to make us prayerful. We need grace to make us holy or righteous or right in our lives. We need plenteous grace to make us zealous or have passion for God's word, passion for God's work. We need plenteous grace to preserve us through this life or keep us true to the very end of this life keep us faithful and we need plenteous grace at last to land us in heaven in other words it's all by grace Spurgeon wrote a book early on in his ministry called All of Grace with which I agreed tremendously it's a question of emphasis he writes we cannot do without saturating showers of grace again it is seasonable grace Just as showers in their season, we need grace in its season. I will cause the shower to come down in his season. What is thy season this morning? In other words, he's writing this morning. What is the interior of your life like this morning? uh, Is there some dryness? Um, Is there a need for rain? Is there a need for the life-giving grace of God? What is thy season this morning? Now uh, Spurgeon is saying that God has promised to send his reign or his grace in season. If you can hold to this, you don't have to worry and wonder, is God going to send me his grace in this moment? Uh, if you can say with assurance that I need or require God's grace in this moment, then you have the promise that God will send it in this month. You follow that? Mm -hmm. Just as the rain. If you could say back in Israel, we need rain. God has promised to send us rain when we need the rain. We need the rain now. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we have God's promise that He will send it now. same with grace. Is the season of drought, is it the season of drought in your life, in our lives? Well, if it's the season of drought, then it's the season when God will send the rain. So if there's spiritual drought, then it is the season when God will send his grace, is his idea. That is the season for showers. Is it a season of great heaviness and black clouds? Your spirit, is your spirit heavy? Is your spirit heavy? Is it weighted down? Cares of this world heavier on your spiritual shoulders if the answer to that is true or yes then the promise is that God says I will send my grace to you now because why because you need it now these are great promises is it the season of drought then that is the season for showers do you follow the logic of Spurgeon do you follow his reasoning See, Calvinistic in his theology, but it is not this Calvinism that many Arminians view as, well, you know, there's no sense in me even praying for anything because if God wants me to have it, he'll send it. And if he doesn't want me to have it, he won't send it. And it's none of that in Spurgeon. It's none of that in Spurgeon. He says, is it a season of great heaviness and black clouds? Then that is the season for showers. Now, uh, I'm not going to stare long this morning, as I said previously, but uh, there is something in this devotional that is rich, uh, pure, wonderful, and there's promises here, and God deals with us according to promises, and we lay hold by faith upon his promise. We can't lay hold by faith upon his promise unless what? Unless his grace is operative within us. So, then we say, well, will His grace be operative within me? Do I have any reason for optimism in this regard? The answer to that would be, am I in a season where I need His grace now? And if I am in a season in my life when I need His grace, then I have His promise that He will send it now. Just as He's promised to send the rain in its season. This is the idea. Let's go to the last one. As thy days, show, so shall thy strength be. And here is a very blessing. I will give these showers of blessing. The word is in the plural. That is the word blessing. He says is in the plural. It means blessings. All kinds of blessings. Myriad forms of blessings. All kinds of blessings God will send. All God's blessings go together like links in a golden chain. If He gives converting grace, and this wonderful, you see, here's the theology that says you cannot be converted apart from God's grace. You cannot be converted just because somebody asks you to say this prayer or something like this, or answer this call. You can only be converted when God sends His grace. But the answer to that would be: If you are, are you in need of conversion? If you are in need of conversion, then God has promised to send the rain when it is needed. He has promised to send converting grace to convert the unconverted. There's a lot of converts in there. But you see, it's not a question then of saying, well, am I one of the elect? Am I elected? If I'm elected, I will be saved. If I'm not elected, there's nothing I can ever do to be saved. You see, that's what's called hyper-Calvinism. That's an extreme form of Calvinism that Spurgeon did not hold to. Some do, but he did not. You see, I, 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 this, this is, this is great. He will also give comforting grace. Well, when will he give comforting grace? Can you answer that? When will he give comforting grace? Wayne shaking your head. When, when you need it. When you need. It. He says he will send showers of blessings. And then this final words, and I'm going to close with these words. Look up today, oh parched plant. That's you and me. We're like a parched plant. But what should we do? Droop down because we're parched or look up because we're parched? The answer is we should look up. Why should we look up? Because we're parched. Because God has promised that if you are parched, I will send the rain in its season. And the season is when you're parched, I will send the rain. I will send my grace when you're spiritually parched. Look up today, O parched plant, and open thy leaves and flowers for a heavenly watering. Get ready. Because God has promised to send His rain, His grace, according to our needs. And I would like to just agree with that promise and say, O Lord, send your grace to me today according to my need. And I said need, now I'm going to change it to say needs. Because it's not just a need that we have. We have needs. And they take different forms. Right. Now I'm going to close with a with a song. Guess what song we're going to close with? Do you have any idea? What would be the appropriate song? Ruth, you see she picks the appropriate song. Ruth, what song should we sing? And she would say to us, "We'll sing." There shall be showers of blessing, right? <laughs> so we're going to sing that this morning. But since uh, we have not. Uh, we, we, we have not been, i say we when I mean I, but let me say we. We have not been proactive. We have not been pr- proactive. Proactive. Meaning, we have waited for the need to arise and we have not looked ahead to anticipate it, and so therefore we need to have all, a lot more songs on our record than what we have and so I can guarantee you that next year, this time, we're going to have more songs than we could possibly sing. And then Ruth will probably say, well, you know, this year we'll probably stay home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to sing There Shall Be Showers of Blessing. And But we have a group that's going to accompany. Is that okay? Sherry will put the words up when she selects it. The words will come up. And then we're going to have a group. This is Ben Spears. You know Ben Spears from the Spear family? This is Ben Spears Singers. And I thought they could share this moment with us, and we could sing along with them. So let's uh, sing it this morning, and then uh, I'm going to ask uh, Brent. I don't, I'm going to ask you if you would maybe close with a word of prayer. That's okay when we uh, when this is when
1: this finishes. Okay, sure. <laughs> This is the promise of love, there shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above. reviving again over the hills and the valleys sound of abundance of rain showers of blessing showers of blessing we
0: Consider yourselves. Now we can all consider ourselves a part of the Ben Spear <laughs> Singers. Let's close this morning. Okay. Father, we want to thank you for the privilege to gather together. And be ministered to by your Spirit. We are richly blessed. We give you thanks. We are
1: a needy people. So in need of your uh, grace and, uh, give us
0: what we what we need to produce the fruit that you desires to, to produce. And just Thank you. We want to receive your grace in the in the season. Yes. we Look
1: forward to that. And just thank you for it, Father. tag yes. and direct us We in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.